Untitled MMA Podcast, May 12th, 2020. Hot for the first time in forever off of some UFC fights. UFC 249 to be exact. Very good card. We'll talk about that. We got two cards this week that we're going to make picks for. Conor McGregor just wrote a book on Instagram, so we're going to re- talk about that probably. A lot of stuff happening. But before we do it, I'm Buju. I'm Bryce. Brendan, Brendan is gone again. Back into the grave. <laughs> uh, he'll be back next week. A little bit of scheduling conflicts this week with Mother's Day. Uh, so Yeah, it'd be like that, though. Back to normal next week. Shout out to all the moms that birthed everyone yeah. listening to this podcast. Yeah, I, I know like three cool moms. How many is your mom a cool mom? Yep. She's all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so let's talk about UFC 249, friend. So we want to start, just talk about the whole card? Yeah. So we started off with Ryan Spann and Sam Alvey. It was a fight that happened. Yeah. Ryan Spann's got a nice win streak going. Sam Alvey stinks. Yeah, cut him. Uh, although, one of the better, um, what's the word I'm looking here for? Camera shots in UFC history when Spann had the standing triangle in and Sam Alvey was trying not to fucking pass out. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised that he didn't tap or pass out there, but he that was high quality camera work. Shout out to the camera guy on that one. And shout out to Sam Alvey for just, instead of like notif- saying something to the ref, just smiling at him. <laughs> <laughs> smiling Sam Alvey. That's what he does, baby. Uh, Bryce Mitchell got a win over Charles Rosa. He attempted like seven twisters and 14 arm triangles. Yeah, I he's very legit. He completely manhandled someone that was supposed to be good at grappling in Charles Rosa. And I'm very excited to see what happens next for Bryce Mitchell, my guy. I'm big. In on Bryce Mitchell. Yes. Shout out to him getting his camo shorts, too. Oh, yeah. That's massive. And thinking about Bryce Mitchell, <clears throat> let me pull up the rankings. I have them right here in front of me. But at featherweight, that feels like a good division to be a grappler in. Yeah, there's not all that many. I w- don't think so. If you look, I mean, Alexander Volkanovsky, the champion, not a grappler. Max Holloway, not a grappler. Brian I would North- say, I mean, Volkanovsky is pretty good at grappling, though. But not a grappler. Yeah. Uh, Max Holloway, not a grappler. Brian Ortega, very good at jiu-jitsu. That could be a problem. Zabit, pure striker. Zombie, pure striker. Gary Rodriguez, pure striker. Frankie Edgar is a wrestler, and I don't even know if he is a featherweight anymore. Jeremy Stevens, stinks. He's dead. Jeremy Stevens, retire, bitch. Josh Emmett, don't know. Calvin Qatar, not a stri- uh, grappler. That's a good division to be in if you're a very good grappler like Bryce Mitchell is. Yeah, and I mean, after that big of a win, they should probably throw him someone that's either just outside of the rankings or ranked right around that 15 spot, I think. How about Sadiq Youssef? No, I don't want to do that. No, don't do that. <laughs> I like Sadiq Youssef too. I don't want to stop any either of those guys. How about this? Number 11, Jose Aldo. Do it. Why not? Bryce Mitchell, Jose Aldo. <laughs> I I think Bryce Mitchell would win the way that Josie Aldo's been fighting recently. He's just been way too tentative. Ryan Hall could be interesting. I don't want to see it. Number 14, but he fights once every seven years. Yeah, plus he only fights pure jujitsu guys. Yeah, Bryce Mitchell, awesome to watch. Love him. Mm -hmm. I'd kiss him on the lips. Would you? No. (laughs) Vicente Luque beat Nico Price. Very good fight. Uh, I don't think it was as great as I expected it to be. It, but was it was fantastic. It's a on this card, kind of hard to like uh, make yourself shine. I guess very it good. It was fight, the second though. best fight of the night. Uh, it was second. You can't even say the one that you're thinking of is possibly second. That was third. I'm looking at it in front of my face right now. 
I think it was third. Wow. You're so wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Shut up. You're wronger. Shut the fuck up. You're about to be super wrong later, so I'll save your wrongness for then. I don't want to talk about it. Because was it what we talked about? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Been, what fucking weight class is that? Lightweight? Yeah. Welterweight? Welter, we, welterweight. Is he ranked? Is I that think. Okay? Yeah, yes. I think he's like 13th. Number 13, welterweight. I'd give him Robbie Lawler or Rafael Dos Anjos next. Robbie Lawler. Because we'll talk about it. I like Vicente Luque. Um, really fun guy. Of course, that's the right type of uh, matchup to get more great violence. Carlos Barza defeated Michelle Waters, and that was a fight that was happening in front of our faces. Yeah. Shout out Carlos Barza. Yep. Alexio Lenick beats Fabricio Verdum. I thought that was fight was a lot closer than what the odds say. Fabricio Verdum was like a minus 350 favorite, and I felt like that was way high. I'm looking at it in front of my face. Alexio Lenick defeated Fabricio Verdum. You don't believe me. I just don't remember it happening like that, literally. <laughs> I don't know why I thought for I thought I went perfect on the weekend. 29, 28, 29, 28, 28, and 29. Hmm. Maybe you lied to me when I... Because I think I was uh, peeing when the decision was being read. And I think you may have lied to me when uh, I came back down. Fabrizio looked really bad. He looked so bad. Retired bitch? I mean, if you are getting uh, hit hard by Alexio Linick getting pieced up on the feet, you're not going to be anything in at heavyweight, especially with guys above you like Alistair Overeem, who's just very technical, world-class uh, kickboxer. You have guys with tons of power like Walt Harris and Francis Ngannou. Yeah, heavyweight's a lot deeper of a division than it was a couple years ago with, like you said, Francis Ngannou, Rosenstrike, mm-hmm. Alexander Volkov, Walt Harris, uh, fucking Sergei Pavlovich. <laughs> <laughs> of course. The almighty Sergey Pavlovich. But yeah, bad performance. And I mean, you can be a bad heavyweight and make get by, but when you're Fabrizio Verdum, you can't look that bad. No, I agree. So I guess if he wants to come back one more time to try his hand again against somebody, but if he loses again, it has to be it, at least in the UFC. A uh, super fun fight that I was surprised how fun it was. Anthony Pettis beats Donald Cerrone with unanimous decision. It was very fun. You think this was the second best fight of the night? I do. You're so wrong. It's just wrong. I'm so I don't need a fucking closed eye to think that a fight's great. I thought this fight was very good. A fun fight. It was two very well known guys. Fun fight. Is very good. Sorry that you're such an Anthony Pettis hater that through your rose-colored glasses you can't tell this was a good fight. It was very good. I just think it was the third best fight of the night. I thought it was it's saying a lot of them when I feel like this was the third best fight of, in any given night. Anthony Pettis is clinging on to a hope, the hopes of one more title shot. If he can somehow, navig- somehow navigate like three or four more wins, he might get back into that range. Cowboy Cerrone, never again. No, he's done. This is what four straight for Cowboy. Yes, that's bad. I mean, to be fair, he lost to what Tony Gaethje, Connor Pettis in that order. Still though, four straight losses is tough. It is. I just fucked everything up. Okay, we're back. and he'll fight four more times this year. And when he wins all four, we're gonna think he's back until he fights someone in the top five. Oh, it only takes one. Just for one him, for him to th- <laughs> for us to think he's back. That's very true. Anthony Pettis kind of back, if we're being honest. <laughs> I think literally last week we we're talking about no. how we need to not whoever wins this fight we need to not say that they're back. No, he's not back. He he didn't look that good, honestly. Uh, he looked okay. He compared he looked to, good for Anthony Pettis. 
Yeah, that's not saying a lot, though. He didn't look that good, though. And I saw in a post-fight interview or something along those lines, he said he's now a better fighter than he was ch- when he was champion. Do Everybody think, says that. Do you th- really think that, though? No. No, I think he's... Obviously not. He might have more skills, but his mentality is totally different. He looks soft at welterweight. He looks like... He looks pudgy. Yeah. Shout out to Anthony Pettis, though. Very happy that you got a win. Won me some money. Um, Greg Hardy defeats Jorgen DeCastro. That was probably one of the more whatever fights on the card, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I do think Greg Hardy is getting a little better, though. Yeah. People are never going to give him credit for it because of who he is. But not the greatest fight in the world. He's not the most fucking technically skilled guy in the UFC. But I think he's getting a little bit better a little bit at a time. Yeah, I agree. Plus, I mean, he made in-fight adjustments. He started checking leg kicks, which if he didn't, he was going to die. And I think Jorgen DeCastro is one of the better fighters he's fought. Like, I thought DeCastro won the first round. The judges didn't agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he kind of won out of his game plan a little bit. And Greg Hardy helped, took him out of that somewhat. But had a, a very whatever fight, Greg Hardy, a little bit of an improvement. I think. Yeah, Jorgen DeCastro looked like a competent fighter and not an absolute bum like he's fought up until now. This might actually be the second best fight on the card. Calvin Cater versus Jeremy Stevens. Fourth. Fourth. That's, you're fucking smoking crack. Wow. Uh, great win for Calvin Cater. He looked very good. Yeah, he did. He about killed Jeremy Stevens two separate times. And that's, a, I feel like, quite a few losses recently for Jeremy Stevens, too. Yeah, he's been uh, dropping quite a few fights consecutively. That's two losses in a row, then a no contest to Yair Rodriguez, and two more losses before that. So, and that's essentially in- five losses in a row, because I'm pretty sure... It was only 15 seconds in, so. That's it. Take the L. Because he got poked. <laughs> Four <laughs> losses in a row for Jeremy Stevens. Um, Didn't he then fight Yeah, you're in lose? Yep. So, I mean, I'm going to count it as five. Where do you think Calvin Cater goes at lightweight? Featherweight, <sighs> it, sorry. Featherweight. I mean, his, his ceiling is a title shot, but I don't think he's going to quite get there. I think he's not quite good enough to get over that hump. Yeah. Because to me, he seems to be a little... I mean, him fighting Jeremy Stevens, it was like the Spider-Man meme. <laughs> I, uh, him versus either Yair Rodriguez, Korean Zombie, or Zabit is a very fun fight, though. Yeah, I mean, he already fought Zabit, though. Right, I'm just saying. Any of those guys is a fun matchup for Calvin Cater. Yeah, he's a fun guy to watch. And if you give him a good dance partner like they did last Saturday, sparks are going to fly, baby. His name doesn't match his, his being... What does a Calvin Cater look like to you? Uh, more like Dracar Close. <laughs> <laughs> I get. I mean, he he could pass off as a Calvin. Francis Ngannou defeats Jarzino Rosenstrike. Little ho hum performance. Francis Ngannou didn't really do a lot. Got lucky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when when you throw as hard as you do, I mean, you can say luck, but the fact that the last four fights of his the longest has gone a minute and 11 seconds i mean it's just pure power that's was, all it is i was kidding um yeah france and gano 20 second knockout if he touches you you're going to sleep yeah unless your name's uh, stipe miocic i guess mm-hmm. and he almost put him to sleep too yeah if it didn't if he would have landed that like a round earlier that put stipe on in another realm he would have won that fight but he's a little too tired we talked about it last week but Francis has to wait for a title shot. He cannot fight again before he gets a title shot. Absolutely. And there's like, there's not really not anybody left he can fight. 
He beat D- every other <laughs> contender. DC's not going to fight him. He can't fight himself. He's number two. He's beat Curtis Blades twice. Already knocked out JDS. I mean, I guess you could do Derek Lewis again, but he just beat Rosenstrike. He's beat Overeem already. Walt Harris, maybe, if he wins, but he has to wait for a title shot. Absolutely. Got to be patient. Plus, yeah, plus, I mean, worst-case scenario, that'll happen probably at the end of the year, early next year. Francis versus Stipe? Francis against whoever for a belt. Oh. Stipe says he's not fighting until the pandemic's over, which could be a while, <laughs> based on how things are going. Yeah. He said, though, he'll fight once he can actually do a camp. Right. Which, according to some people might be able to do it start a camp as early as like late Easter. summer. We're not guy. we're not gonna talk about that guy, but um Henry Cejudo defeats Dominic Cruz, uh and Justin <laughs> 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 Uh Henry Cejudo looked great. Yeah, I have to hand it to him for sure. Um but I think Dominic Cruz coming off of a four year layoff is a bigger part of the story than a lot of people are letting on. I feel like that's not being talked about at all. For four was it four years? However yeah, long it was. It was like three and a half. I th- nobody it seems like nobody's talking about that for some reason. I mean, ring rust isn't a thing, baby. To be fair, I think that Dominic Cruz looked as Dominic Cruzy as he ever has. He looked good physically and then he was doing his weird movement stuff, so he was at home. He just can't do anything is the problem. Like, he can just move. That's all he can do. Literally. It, it's very strange, especially after not watching a fight for three and a half years. I can't believe TJ could, didn't beat him. Yeah, it's crazy to me. As smart of a fighter as TJ was, mm-hmm. the fact that he just could not figure that out. Like, Dominic Cruz is pulled directly out of the... His style is unbeatable in the, the last era of MMA. I can't believe TJ Dillashaw, who may be the greatest bantamweight of all time, arguably, couldn't beat him. How is that even possible? Yeah, and he just couldn't do anything, really. Yeah. It, it is crazy. But, I mean, Henry Cejudo can, and he did. He was uh, really fast. It's very surprising how fast Henry Cejudo looked. And, I mean, he landed the big strike. And what do you think of the stoppage? It was bad, but it wouldn't have mattered. No, it wouldn't have mattered, but I don't think it was that bad. I think it, it, you can't stop a fight when a guy is standing up. Like, going from the ground to standing up. You also can't have him get hit 11 straight times. He didn't get hit. It was like six. It was at least... I mean, he still got hit 11 straight times. But he was standing up. I'm just saying. It was a bad stoppage. Now the argument that Henry Cejudo is the greatest combat sports athlete of all time, which I think, the more I think about it, the more I think it's fucking insane. Why? Just because you're good at two different sports doesn't mean you're the greatest combat sports athlete of all time. There are so many people that are so much better in him than in one sport that he still is superseded by them. Maybe. But I don't, I mean, that's a, I would still give the edge to someone that proved to be the best in the world at two sports than in just one. He was, he's the champion, he was the gold medalist in the lowest weight class in the Olympics. There go one of the weakest weight classes in the Olympics. He was the champion of the flyweight division, which is one of the weakest divisions in the UFC. The bantamweight title, sure, I'll give it to him. I mean, he still won three, th- triple C, baby. Three divisions. I mean, three divisions. I mean, he won in wrestling. That's a division. That's not. I'm no. Three weight classes, because <laughs> it was a weight class. 
the three championships or gold medals, however you want to look at it. And people like fucking having this argument online. People think it has to do with his fucking gimmick that he plays. It doesn't have anything to do with that. No. It's I, his gimmick sucks, but I mean it's whatever. Make yourself stand out, I guess. I don't care about that. But you can't argue about Henry Sudo without people going, you're buying into the fucking cringe thing, dude. No, it's stupid. Yeah, That's I not what it. I'm talking about. I saw you comment something about it, and someone directly went to the cringe and saying that you're just a hater on him and literally made no comment on your actual argument. Henry Cejudo is a great fighter and one of the top, probably right now, top five fighters in the UFC. But to me, his legacy is going to be the fact that he ducked. He never defended the flyweight championship. Or I guess he did against TJ, right? He never defended the flyweight championship against a flyweight contender. He lost to Joseph Benavidez and wouldn't give Joseph Benavidez a rematch once Cejudo won the title. Never defended against a top challenger at featherweight. He moved up to bantam... Or at flyweight, I'm sorry. He moved up to bantamweight, fought Marais for the belt, won the belt... Won the vacant belt against Marais, correct? Yes. Then defended it he was going to defend it against Jose Aldo, skipping the top two contenders in Aljamain Sterling and Petter Jan. Aldo fight doesn't happen, so he fights Dominic Cruz off of a four-year layoff, who was coming off of a loss, the w- worst loss of his career by far, a fight that he got his ass whooped in by Cody Garbrandt, who's got his ass whooped seven times since then. <laughs> to me, that's Henry Cejudo, the guy who never fought a contender for a belt. Besides when he won the yeah. two belts. Marais. And Mighty Mouse. Mm-hmm. He lost to Mighty Mouse, too. Yeah. To me, he's not the greatest flyweight of all time. Nope. He might be the best bantamweight in the UFC. Maybe. I think Dominic Cruz's legacy stretching before the UFC into WEC still makes him the best bantamweight of all time. Maybe. And I don't know enough about fucking amateur wrestling to say what his legacy is there. Yeah. But I think you have guys who are so great in boxing, like Floyd and Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson. And guys who are so great in MMA, like George St. Pierre and John Jones and Anderson Silva. It's hard to say that somebody... I can't believe you still throw Anderson Silva in there. He's top three of all time. Maybe. Brock Lesnar. He won't be in the (laughs) next five years, I don't think. And to me, Ronda Rousey's UFC legacy is better than Henry Cejudo's. It's very possible. It's hard for me to even put him in the conversation for greatest combat sports athlete of all time. I understand your point. I just don't necessarily agree with it. (laughs) (laughs) Just because you want to suck Henry Cejudo's fucking ass, dude, doesn't mean that he's the greatest combat sports athlete of all time. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Um, (laughs) Do you actually think he's going to be retired, or do you think this was a gimmick to try to get a new contract and get some chunga? If you believe Henry Cejudo's retired, you need to reevaluate your life. When's he fight again? This year? Yes. Against who? February 2021 at the absolute latest. Against who? I don't know. With his fucking track record, he'll probably fight fucking uh, Uriah Faber. (laughs) (laughs) You might. Do you you think that if he doesn't say, like, an immediate statement in the next month or two that they'll strip him? Or do you think that... No, I think they'll do what they've been doing and wait until there's a Bantamweight title fight scheduled. Okay. And then the second that it actually starts, that's when he's officially stripped or whatever. He should fight Aljamain Sterling. And yes. if he's not going to fight Aljamain Sterling, he should fight Petr Jan. Yes. I don't think he's going to fight either one of those. No. It'll I... probably be Jose Aldo. Mm-hmm. It's dumb. I think, though, that he, if he does fight, he needs to fight either Aljo or Petr Jan. And that's it. Or, unless he wants to go back down to 
uh, flyweight, which I don't think he wants to. And fight, well, isn't Figueredo versus Benavides happening again? Yeah, fight the winner of that. Yeah. It, it, I assume Feder- Figueredo probably can't get out of Brazil, though. Fight Island, baby. That's right. <laughs> uh, so what is what about Dominic Cruz? He has he should probably retire, right? Yeah, he's not gonna. He's he's very uh, hard to crack his movement, but I feel like it's been cracked. It has been, and that was his only thing. I feel like he can. He might be able to fool somebody like Aljo with that. Um, but I think Petr Jan tears him apart. I think Marais is good enough to pick him apart. Uh, maybe be a Sun Sao. Jose Aldo would be interesting if you want to do that just for names. Yeah. If he wants to fight, he's not going to fight for a belt ever because he's not going to be able to string together enough wins to justify one. But the thing is, as long as he doesn't have fucking four losses in a row, Dominic Cruz just has to win two and get a title shot. I don't know if he can win two legitimate fights at Bantamweight. Depends though. on matchups. He's not going to be able to beat two top Bantamweights in the world. I mean, If Dominic Cruz isn't going to retire, he needs to do... It just needs to be matchups. Like, it, it needs to go the Anthony Pettis, Donald Cerrone route. Yep. And honestly, for me, Conor McGregor route. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jose Aldo would be fun. A Cody Garbrandt rematch would be interesting. Maybe another TJ fight when TJ comes back. Those would all be fine. Uriah Faber again? Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why not? I think that, though, there are some uh, good um, opportunities for him if he chooses not to retire. But,. It seems like he has a very good thing going, so why put yourself through grueling camps? But I I don't know why fighters do it to begin with. Justin Gaethje defeats Tony Ferguson via TKO at 339 in the fifth round to become the interim lightweight champion of the world, even though Khabib is, can, is okay to fight in 12 days. Don't know why we have an interim champion, but hey, interim champion, Justin Gaethje. Hell yeah. Great fight. Uh, surprised how good Justin Gaethje looked. Surprised how out of place Tony Ferguson looked against Justin Gaethje. Uh, I said it was a close fight when we were making the picks because, like, I believe I said last week, Justin Gaethje's the perfect fighter to take Tony Ferguson out of his game and uh, force Ferguson to do things he's not comfortable doing, and I think that's exactly what Gaethje did. Yeah, and that's why I picked Justin Gaethje, unlike you clowns. And Tony Fer- I mean, for as much as we talk about Tony Ferguson's chin on this show, he's got a chin because he, he did does. not go to sleep he, against Gaethje. He... he took some bombs broke his orbital bone didn't even fucking go down i can't say that word Orb- orbital bone orbital orbital bone yeah you did it Thank good you. job thanks pal um yeah i mean it was his chin was crazy because it just i just want to know how he felt after the freaking lando venata strike the anthony pettis one mm-hmm. to where because he was legitimately super wobbly right but i mean it was a fantastic performance out of justin gaethje and it took until about the third round for me to realize Justin Gaethje's going to absolutely murder this man. I thought you were going to say he's going to absolutely murder Khabib, but I'm no. about to flip this table. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, it's one of those fights where you're like, for a while you're thinking, okay, Tony's going to get it going eventually, figure it out. And then it gets to a point he's like, damn, this is just how this fight's going to be. Yeah, because I think Tony won the second round. and I had Tony win in the first two, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, first round was super close. Gagey looked great through the whole thing. I don't feel like there was a moment where I really thought he was in bad, bad trouble. Yeah, I agree. Where Ferguson, on the other hand, looked like he could have been finished a few times. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, what do you think about that stoppage while we're talking about that finishes? was the right move yeah. Be- you can't like shake your head the way that he was and turn away mm-hmm. that's it he looked like he was out on his feet maybe he was mm-hmm. but that's the perception he gave off backing away shaking your head like you're trying to shake off cobwebs mm-hmm. in the fifth round with the beating that you're taking and the way your face looks right now that's gonna get stopped that was the right stoppage yeah. and so anyone that wants to complain about it is just wrong <laughs> uh we we didn't even fucking touch on Dominic Cruz saying that Keith Peterson smelled like alcohol and cigarettes. That sounds like the worst. I don't. I really don't think they would let him in no. if he did. <laughs> There's no way he smelled like booze and cigarettes. <laughs> that that just it was such a stupid thing for him to say. That's something Henry Cejudo would say if he lost. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like. I don't even get it. What a dumb thing to say. That's if so you're, funny. Yeah. Donald Cruz is supposed to be one of like the the more reasonable guys in yeah. the sport. And I think after he lost to Cody Garber, and it's like, I'm not going to make excuses, but he just made an excuse talking about Keith Peterson smelled like <laughs> booze and cigarettes. What? Uh, but anyways, the main event. Um, I don't think he beats Khabib, but I think... I think right now he's the best challenge, the best guy to beat him. I said that months ago on the show, before this fight was even supposed to happen, and you and Brendan laughed at me. I want that on the record. I will find it if I have to. Go ahead and find it. But I, I don't doubt it. it because I'm 100% all in on Justin Gaethje because I've been paying attention to what he's been doing recently. That being said, I think when that Khabib fight happens, Khabib's going to do what Khabib does. Same thing? Mm-hmm. Same way? Khabib is going to have to show... That he's losing a step before I believe that anybody's going to beat Khabib. It's very fair. And he definitely didn't show that he was slowing down when he fucking beat the shit out of Dustin Poirier. Has he fought since then? That was his last fight, right? Yeah, that was his last fight. It's like July. No, I was in school, so September? I think it was like September. Okay, September makes sense. I like saying September like that. Um, what does Tony Ferguson do next? I hope he fights Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor or uh, Dustin Poirier. Those are the only two fights. That's it. I think he loses both of those. I think so, too, especially after... I mean, even before this, I would think he loses yeah, to Conor. I, yeah, but I think after this, I think Dustin Poirier beats him, too. I agree. Because um, I think Dustin Poirier is... Especially after that performance, uh, he's either the third or fourth best lightweight in the world. It would be a little bit of a reach to do this, but something I'd be interested in seeing would be Ferguson versus Charles Oliveira. That'd be so much fun. It'd be a real test of Charles Oliveira's skills. Yeah. Plus, they look very similar. They do. <laughs> the similar heads. Yeah, for Easter Island heads. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be a really fun fight. But, I mean, I'm sure Tony Ferguson would be down for it. He had to fight a lot of guys on his way up. So, yeah, Gaethje versus Khabib, supposedly going to happen. I, that all depends on Khabib, I feel like. Yeah. Um, I would like to see Connor versus Tony, Poirier versus Dan Hooker. I'm down. To do that. That takes care of your top four in the champion. If top five in the champion, excuse me. Yep. That's good stuff. And then uh, we didn't talk about it. I want Anthony Pettis to fight Rafael Dos Anjos. We've been talking about that forever. Yes. Donald Cerrone, doesn't matter. Just it, have him fight somebody. Yeah, have him fight someone that's a fun name. Have him, did he fight Mike Perry yet? I feel like he did. That has to have happened. Those guys fight every three weeks. Yeah. If they hasn't happened, that's the fight to make. Let's, IMO. Let's find out. I'm going to look. Um, the lightweight picture, it's crazy how good that division is. He did fight Mike Perry November 10th, 2018. He won with an arm bar. Mm. Do it again. Um, but, yeah, lightweight. 
Khabib the champion, Tony Ferguson, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, Justin Gaethje, Dan Hooker, Donald Cerrone, Paul Felder, Charles Oliveira, Ali Quinta, Kevin Lee, Edson Barbosa, Diego Fajeda, Gregor Gillespie, Islam Makhachev, Alexander Hernandez. That's, I mean, that's a lot of very, very, very legit guys. Yeah, you get down to the bottom, it kind of falls off a little bit. But, I mean, if you compare it to the top yeah. 15 of other divisions, well, yeah. that's still bigger names than them. You look at other divisions, that fucking Bantamweight, which I feel is like a pretty good division. You got Ronnie Barcelos. Who? I don't even know Song that Yadong is. at fucking Flyweight. Shit, you get to six. It's Askar Askarov. Seven's Kai Kara France. Nine's Alec Perez. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not fantastic. Ryan Hall's number 14 in his division. You have uh, fucking Shogun still ranked somehow. You get down to the bottom of those divisions, those get rough. Alexander Hernandez as your worst ranked fighter. Not too shabby. Yeah, 100%. You're buzzing. I'm going to turn your mic down. You're going to unplug the bottom of it and plug the bottom of it back in. Nope, the bottom of the microphone. Pull it out. Put it back in. I'm going to turn you back up. You're going to speak. Hello. We're back. All right. <laughs> Nothing like a live mic adjustment. Uh, so, yeah, I'll take care of UFC 249. Yeah. What do you think about the fact that the UFC went ahead and did the event with an athlete testing positive? I thought it was going to be a bigger deal than it was. After a we found media out about backlash? it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And granted, all the media there apparently signed something where they're like not even allowed to talk about it. Basically, what a horrible thing. But um, I don't know. I feel like they kind of just took care of the problem, and we're gonna move on. We got fights Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think they did the best thing that they could do about yeah. it. It at that face off, Jacare and Uriah Hall were the furthest apart from mm-hmm. any other face off by a lot. Jacare was wearing a mask and gloves. We were under the impression last week that they were taking a little bit more precautions than when they were. We thought they were like locked in the hotel for a week prior to the event. Anthony Pettis didn't even leave Milwaukee till Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. So and th- when they got there, they get tested and so that they'd have the results by right. Friday. So Jacare obviously already had it before he got there. Mm-hmm. It's not like he got it while they were putting the event on. People on Twitter are like, "I need to cancel the event immediately." It's like they did everything they needed to do. Nobody else tested positive. We're okay. Yeah. UFC did a pretty good job, all things considered. Yeah, and then, I mean, if they test everyone again just to make sure and no one else does, they did everything they had to. And we would know by the card on Wednesday mm-hmm. if anybody else got it. 100%. It's wild that they're doing a card on Wednesday, too. Nothing else on TV, baby. Keep You're rolling. Right. Uh, is there anything else we want to talk about outside of UFC 249 and these the, the cards this week and this weekend? No, I just really like Bryce Mitchell. Kelvin Gastelum tested positive for weed again. Did he? Yeah. Who cares though? Like, it doesn't. We, I don't. Why are plus, we sus- he isn't in competition. Yeah. Why are so we? So it sus- doesn't matter. Why are we suspending fighters for weed? Who cares? Yeah. Literally now, the UFC is like one of the only few major U.S. sports organizations yeah. that didn't he, suspend he, it. Even the NFL doesn't even fucking care now. Yeah, they're doing rehab over. Uh, or I don't even think they do anything now. I, I think it might a be a re- fine rehab for weed. <laughs> They, some organizations are doing rehab stuff. That's wild. Yeah. There's no reason to suspend athletes over marijuana. Yeah. Let them do their thing. Fucking 420 blaze it, brother. That's what I say. That's what I have tattooed on my chest. <laughs> yes, it is. It's just a massive uh, leaf. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's not my personal life choice, but as many people it's that do like, it, it, fucking cares. it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't fucking matter. Like you said, it doesn't fucking matter. Just yeah. let them do the good damn thing. It's not a performance enhancer, so it should have literally no effect. It seems like it would be a performance 
fucking dehancer. Yeah, to mellow them out. Yeah. It seems like not the state of mind you'd want to be in in a fucking fist fight. Who yeah. Cares? Plus, I mean, they're ta- they're fighting for a living. If they want to yeah. relax, uh, do a little puff yeah, puff. Fucking blaze it, brother. That's what I say. Um, so let's get into picks for this. I don't even know how to phrase it. Get into picks for the cards this week. Yeah, there we go. Uh, we're picking one, two, three, four fights on the Wednesday card. Wednesday, five eighteen, headlined by Anthony Smith and Glover Teixeira. A decent little fight night card, all things considered. I think they put it together a decent enough card. These aren't even all the bigger names on the card. But we're going to start off with Ricky Simone, a minus 165 favorite, against Ray Borg, a plus 135 underdog. Uh, Simone's on a two-fight win streak with a KO loss to Uriah Faber and a decision loss to Rob Font in those two fights. He was on an eight-week... Eight-week? <laughs> eight-fight win streak prior to those last two fights, though. He's 3-2 and two in the UFC, his most notable victory over Ronnie Yaya. Ray Borg's on a two-fight win streak. He missed weight at Bantamweight in a loss to lost to Casey Kenny and in his last fight he missed weight at flyweight to in the win over Hajerio Bontorin. Um this fight is at Bantamweight, correct? Yeah. Uh I think Ray Borg takes this one even as the underdog. Ricky Simone I feel like had a lot of hype going into that Uriah Faber fight mm-hmm. that he uh, got knocked out in. I felt like he was a killer at one point. I kind of retracted that a little bit. Ray Borg just has a better resume, he's been around forever. Not super convinced in his skill set at this point, but I think he's a little better than Ricky Simone, and I'm going to pick Ray Borg. I'm going with Ricky Simone. I think oh. Ray Borg has uh, shown that he is not the most professional, missing weight both at 135 and then getting a fight at 125 where he missed weight again. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he has some. He has had a crazy last year and a half or so with yeah. his son and things like that, but that doesn't excuse not showing up to fight it the weight you're contracted to. And missing the weight at 135, I think, is... And granted, that's when he was like in the heat of the stuff with his son, mm-hmm. so I guess maybe it's excusable a little bit, but... Just don't fight yeah. if you can't make the weight. Missing weight at flyweight, then moving up and missing weight at bantamweight's rough. Yes, it is. Um, and Simone, I think he has really good hands at four one thirty five. I think against Uriah Faber, Uriah Faber is still one of those guys that it's going to take a very good fighter to usurp him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's obviously, even though he's old as crap at this point, he's been there, done that, and just is his fight IQ is through the roof. And I think Simone is going to get there, but. Uh, this will be a good step in the uh, in that process, and I think he's going to get it done against Ray Borg. Uh, Brendan texted in his pick since he couldn't be here this week. He's got Ray Borg as well, the underdog. Um, number 15, Alexander Hernandez has even odds against Drew Dober, the minus 125 favorite. Alexander Hernandez's only UFC loss is to Donald Cerrone in January of 2018. He has his UFC wins over, or excuse me, has UFC wins over Francisco Trinaldo, Olivier Albon Mercier, and Benil Dariush. Drew Dober, on the other hand, has losses to Olivier Albon Mercier and Benil Dariush. He is on a two-fight win streak, though, with wins over Marco Pollo Reyes and Nasrat. Hakparas, that's a rough name to say, but he has not been knocked out since 2011. I'm going to pick Alexander Hernandez here. I think this is a uh, close call, two mildly handsome white guys, yeah. two pretty generic-looking fellas going in there for a fist fight. Um, I do think Alexander Hernandez is a little bit more skilled than Drew Dober, but I'm like I said, close fight to pick. The odds reflect it. Wouldn't be surprised if it goes the other way. I just think Hernandez has a slight edge in skill set. Yep. 
Uh, I also have Alexander Hernandez, much much of like what you were saying. This is a guy that's at least beaten some very competent names in Benil Dariush, uh, OAM, and Francisco Trinaldo, all very j- just tough guys. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I mean, Drew Dober just didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I think that uh, Drew Dober's, one of his most pr- impressive performances was when he lost to Zabit. Yeah. Because, and that was mostly just because of attrition. I think that Zabit is... Horrible at cardio, and Drew Dober has some pretty good cardio. But Alexander Hernandez, I think, has more than enough to get it done. Ovince St. Pruin is heavy. And then also Brendan has oh, I'm Hernandez. Sorry. Yeah. Ovince St. Pruin is heavyweight debut. little rhyme there for the fellas. A minus 155 favorite against Big Ben Rothwell, the plus 125 underdog. OSP is 1-2 and two in his last three, 2-3 and three in his last five. But six of his last eight fights have ended in submission, including two losses mixed in there. Um, ben Roth- all of his submission wins, Von Fluchokes? I believe so. Or, no, it can't be. He can't have six of them, right? No, you said uh, he there lost four two. of them. Yeah, he might. Four in his last eight, though? That's a lot. That's when he's been hitting them, baby. Um, ben Rothwell's only win since 2016 was over Stefan Struve in December. He's one and two since returning from suspension with losses to Andrei Arlovsky and Blagoy Ivanov. But his last submission loss was to Gabriel Gonzaga in 2013. His last one prior to that was in 2005, which was pre-UFC. Uh, this is a tough one for me. By the way, OSP's uh, his third win ago was via head kick, not via choke. But I he said has six th- of his last eight. Oh, of his last eight fights, right? Yeah, six of his last eight fights ended via submission. Okay, yeah, and there were three Von Fluchoke wins. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's so nuts. Th- three of the, three of his last six wins were Von Fluchoke. That's crazy. It is. Um, this is a tough fight for me to pick. Ovin Saint Prue, I feel like is a little bit better of a fighter, but going up to heavyweight serves a whole new pr- problem. Even though Ben Roth- Rothwell, not the greatest fighter in the world, dude stinks, and has been even worse lately than he was at his peak. I do think Ben Rothwell. Ugh, I can't talk right now. Ben Rothwell probably wins this one. He's been at heavyweight his whole career. He's going to be bigger than OSP. And OSP is just a guy that tends to spin his wheels a lot. And Ben Rothwell, pretty good submission artist and a pretty decent grappler for being who he is. Uh, I'm picking Ben Rothwell as the underdog. That's three underdogs for me. Man, I'm going with OSP. Ben Rothwell stinks so bad. He's so terrible. He's awful. OSP kind of stinks, too. He might, but Ben Rothwell... In uh, this latest stint, yeah, he might have knocked out Stefan Struve, but he lost to 2019 Blagoy Ivanov and Andrei Orlovsky. You lose Andrei Orlovsky in a unanimous decision in 2019, you're buns, kid. And he's just buns. He's bad. OSP, if he loses, yeah, he stinks. But Ben Rothwell, he stinks out loud. Brennan also has OSP, the minus 155 favorite. The main event of the Wednesday card is number three, Anthony Smith, a minus 185 favorite over number eight, Glover Teixeira, a plus 150 underdog. Anthony Smith is 7-2 and two since December 2016 with his only losses being to John Jones and Tiago Santos. All seven of his wins are via finish. In the same time frame, Glover Teixeira is 5-3 and three in writing a three-fight win streak with wins over Nikita Krylov, Ion Kutalaba, and Carl Roberson. Uh, I think this is the easier pick, easiest pick on out of what we're picking on this card. I think Anthony Smith knocks out Glover Teixeira, fighting better opponents, having better performances against those performance or against those opponents. Glover Teixeira, very good MMA striker, but I think Anthony Smith is better. Yeah, 
Uh, going into the John Jones fight, I thought Anthony Smith was widely overrated, and I still think that he is. Not like nearly as good as some people thought he was, but he's a very good light heavyweight. Um, and Glover Teixeira is just old. And MMA catches up to everyone. Mother Nature, Father Time, whatever the saying is, is undefeated, baby. Um, and I just think Anthony Smith is going to get the job done, probably by finish, against old Glover Teixeira that doesn't fight good people anymore. And if there's one thing Anthony Smith does well, it's beat up old dudes. Yeah, that's facts. Rashad was, Evans. Yeah, he knocked out like three or four straight old dudes he going did. into his title shot. That's why I thought he was so overrated, fighting bums that have no chins. Brendan also has Anthony Smith. So going into Saturday's card, we are picking five fights, the entire main card on the Saturday card, which is on ESPN Plus, I believe. Song Yudong is a minus-175 favorite against Marlon Vera, the plus-145 underdog. Yudong has eight straight fights without a loss. His last fight was a draw due to a point reduction, so he should have won that fight as well. He's 4-0-1 in the UFC with that no contest mixed in. Marlon Vera's on a five-fight win streak, all of them being finishes, and he is 8-2 since November 2016. I think Marlon Vera has a little bit better, impressive, a little bit more impressive of a resume, fought better opponents, uh, been in the UFC longer. I think Marlon Vera gets a win over Song Yudong, one of the more ridiculous names in the <laughs> UFC. Shout out to my boy Cheeto Vera, baby. He's getting it done. I that th- is Cheeto Vera. I didn't even put that together. <laughs> yeah. I had to double check before I started saying this. But, uh, yeah, I think that Cheeto is on one of the more impressive runs in uh, the UFC, really, as a whole. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, just in terms of how he's been performing, friend. Uh, he's been, they've put him up in front of him and he's knocked them all down. I think that he's a pretty excited guy and I think he's going to knock out Song Yudong. And it's Yudong Song on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's, the I Asian don't... names get flipped sometimes. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's only Chinese names, it seems. And then Brazilian names will just have like an extra name in there sometimes on different websites. Mm-hmm. Like Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos. Sometimes he's just Elizu Dos Santos. Sometimes he's Zaleski Dos Santos. Sometimes he's Elizu Zaleski. I don't know. Makes uh, no sense. What a random name, though, to think of that for. I was doing because he was on the last card that we picked, and I was doing uh, records earlier. Ah, okay. Brennan has Song Yudong as well. Uh, Christoph Jotko is a minus 145 favorite. Oh, shit. I lost my fucking notes. I have to go back down. We're okay. Nobody panic. Christoph Jocko, minus 145 favorite against Eric Anders, the plus 115 underdog. Jocko's on a two-fight win streak coming off of a three-fight losing streak. He only has one win via finish since 2011, which was a knockout over the Barncat, Tam Dan McCrory, in 2016. Anders is also on a two-fight win streak coming off a three-fight losing streak. But the only stat I need to know about this fight the only thing I need to know to determine who I'm picking in this fight, Eric Anders has a loss to Elias Theodoro. I'm picking Christoph Jocko. That That is something that did not weigh in my decision-making, although it's something that I really should weigh heavily now. Eric Anders is decent enough for what he is. He's not, he doesn't come from a fighting background. He was a football player that converted over to an MMA fighter. He's had enough success. He's a decent enough fighter, has some power. I just think Jocko's a little bit better. I'm actually changing my pick. Whoa. I was picking Eric Anders. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now that I think about it, I mean, Eric Anders is just one of those guys that when he first came into the UFC, super, super impressive looking because he was just bulldozing mm-hmm. through 
bums. And he looks like a a monster. Yeah. Coming from Alabama football and everything. Mm-hmm. Now he athlete. has, a, yeah. Plus he had shorter hair then, so he looked like he looked more intimidating. <laughs> but now he has uh, longer hair up top, little uh, curls up there. I support it. I'm a fellow curly <laughs> as you, Q. As you started talking about Anders hair, I was like, kind of looks like yours. <laughs> um, but he, he seems like he's fought some better guys that are able to slow down the fight and win they set the pace. Anders struggles heavily. Leoto Machida. Leoto Machida, Lies Theodore, guys like that. And Christoph Jocko, not too dissimilar from Leoto Machida either. Yes, exactly. That's what I was uh, thinking about. Um, Christoph Jocko is not the best fighter in the world, obviously. He's, I think, had a couple times where he's lost some fights where he shouldn't have. Oh, damn. Um, but I think that he is going to be good enough to get it done against Anders. Um, and so I'm going to go with Christoph Jocko. Brendan is going with Eric Anders. He's picking the underdog in that one. Um, number 11 lightweight Edson Barboza is a minus 135 favorite against number 15 featherweight Dan Ige, a plus 105 underdog. Wait, does this fight happen? Featherweight. Okay. Uh, Barboza is one and four in his last five, hence the move down to featherweight. His losses in the current run, though, are to Khabib Nurmagomedov, Kevin Lee, Justin Gaethje, Paul Felder. At least three of those are super, super excusable losses. All four are. Uh, Dan Ige is on a five-fight winning streak. His only loss, his only UFC loss, was his UFC debut. He's coming off a split decision win over Merksad Bektik, who is the best opponent that he's faced in his MMA career. Uh, usually, guys who run off to a different division because they're struggling so much in their division don't tend to uh, turn out very well in that new division. Doesn't usually go super great for them. However, I'm picking Edson Barboza here. Nobody has more experience in the UFC than Edson Barboza. Dude's been around for 7,000 years, I think. He's fought literally everybody who is anybody at lightweight, and then some other guys mixed in there as well. He's looked bad in some of those fights. In the middle of that 1-4 and four run that he's on, though, he had probably the best performance of his career against Dan Hooker. Edson Barboza is a very talented fighter, whether he can brings it out all the time or not, and whether he's on a downhill slide right now or not. Danny Gay still on his way up, has a lot to learn. Edson Barboza, super experienced and very talented. So I'm going to pick Edson Barboza. I'm also going to go with Edson Barboza here. Um, like you said, he might be 1-4 in, in his last five, but he's lost to, I mean, four of the top ten lightweights. Mm-hmm. Top seven or eight, I believe. Yeah. Um, and it took four losses for him to be ranked 11th. That just shows how good... Edson Barboza still is. Uh, obviously, though, you hope that he can bounce back with his mental game uh, because physically, I mean, he should smoke Danny Gay. Um, I think that he is going to get it done, and I think that this is a good move for him, assuming the weight cut isn't too bad, just in terms of matchups. A lot more strikers at 145, like we commented earlier, rather than a lot of grapplers at 155 up top. And even in the... Uh... With that one and four run he's on, like I said, had a very good performance against Dan Hooker. But before this one and four run, beat Benel Dariush, beat Gilbert Melendez, beat Anthony Pettis, lost Tony Ferguson, beat Paul Felder. Like, there's a lot of very good wins on his resume still. I don't think it's a secret who Edson Barboza is. I think he's a very good fighter. Yeah. Um, Plus, it's not that big of a fight, and he tends yeah. to just not do well in the big ones. And no crowd. There's no pressure on him. Mm-hmm. Which we talked about with Anthony Pettis. And he won. Going into this card. Uh... 
the co-main event on this card, number six, Claudia Gadelia is a minus 190 favorite against Angela Hill, the mi- or plus 155 underdog. What Angela Hill is this? There's more than one Angela Hill? Yeah. This, An- this is Angela Hill. Oh, Angela Lee is who I'm thinking yeah. of. The KG, <laughs> yeah. KG, yeah, okay. Uh, and Andrea, I think that's Andrea Lee, and then there's another, there's an Angela Lee as well. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> but yeah, Angela Hill, tough girl, big hair. Doesn't up. she do cosplay stuff for some yeah, of her weigh-ins? Yeah, say dressed like video game characters. Yep. Um, Claudia Gadelia is five and four since the first Joanna fight. All but one UFC fight of hers has gone to a decision, which is when. Uh, the one that didn't was the one she submitted Carolina Kovalkiewicz in 2017. My fucking notes just jumped again. That's very annoying. Why does it do that when I press the arrow? Now I have to go back down again. There's a thing popping up on the side. All hell's broken loose. Angela Hill, on the other hand, is on a three-fight winning streak in the UFC, which surprises me. 7-7 seven and seven overall record in the UFC. How crazy that this is Angela Hill's 15th UFC fight. That's nuts. Um, That's coconuts, baby. But her UFC losses, Tisha Torres... Rose Namajunas, Jessica Andraj, I said that weird, Nina Ansaroff, Courtney Casey, Randa Marcos, and a Chinese name I can't pronounce. Any decent fighter she's ever fought, she's lost to. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, trend continues here with Claudia Gedalia. I think Gedalia moves to 6-4 and four since you want, that you want to fight. Uh, I think we thought Claudia was a little more than she was at a certain point in time. I think she's stolen a couple wins in there that maybe she... Uh, even maybe even didn't deserve on the judges' scorecards. But she is a very good fighter. I think she's top tier in that division, even if she is a few steps below championship level. And I think she's a quite a few steps ahead of Angela Hill still. I think Claudia Cadelli gets a win. Yep. I think Claudia is, I think for one, she's taken a step back in her level as she's also shifted, moved camps in the last few years. She's bounced around, I think, a few places. Yeah. Um, at one point, she was teaching like jiu-jitsu in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um. I still think, obviously, she is top tier. Uh, and I think she's more than enough to top Angela Hill in this one. Once Brian Ortega to put a baby in her, people forget that. <laughs> yeah. You remember that? Yeah, I do. That was quite the scene. <laughs> uh, number, n- <laughs> number nine, Walt Harris, is a minus 170 favorite against number eight, Alistair Overeem, a plus 140 underdog. Obviously, you know everything that's going on with Walt Harris and his stepdaughter. Terrible stuff there, but this is his first fight back since then. However much you want to take that into account going into this fight, that's up to you, but it should at least be mentioned. Um, he's on a four-fight win streak, though, in his uh, UFC career. Uh, he did have an Andre Arlovsky win overturned to a no car- contest for weed. So dumb. Uh, his last loss prior to that four-fight win streak was a DQ loss, so he was winning that fight as well. His last actual loss was via submission to Fabricio Verdum in October 2017 when Fabricio was at the top of his powers, I feel like. Mm-hmm. All 13 official wins on his record are via knockout or TKO. Overeem's last 11 losses are via KO or TKO, including three of his last fights. He's 2-3 and three in his last five with wins over Alexio Linick and Pavlovich. His losses are to Francis Ngannou, Curtis Blades, and Jarzinho Rosenstrike. What that tells me is that these days, when Alistair Overeem fights somebody who hits hard, he goes down. Walt Harris hits pretty hard and has some other skills mixed into his game as well. Uh, Alistair Overeem's a legend. You can never count him out. I think there's a chance that he does win this fight. But if I'm picking, I'm picking Walt Harris because I think he's a better fighter in 2020. Yep, 100%. Walt Harris is Oh, shit. Good. We forgot about Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> Just run through his picture real quick. He had Ensa Barboza, Claudio Gadelia, and he's got Walt Harris here. Yeah. 
um while hair is is uh i think he is fighting for a higher purpose right this second yeah he's going to be very motivated going into this fight yes and i wouldn't pick against him against only there's only a handful of guys that I wouldn't pick him against with that type of motivation. Could you imagine if they put him against Francis and Connor? <laughs> that would be, <laughs> be so fucked up. <laughs> it would be. Uh, um, but like Buju said, the last eleven losses of Elsair Overeem came uh, via knockout or TKO. Wallet Harris has the type of power. The big ticket is going to punch his this. Weekend. Hell yeah! And he's gonna uh, do the damn thing and get a nice KO win, maybe a little performance of the night bonus. I was on his Wikipedia earlier. One of his former nicknames was the Vault, Walt the Vault. <laughs> That's wild. Um, one thing I will say though is, uh, Alistair Overeem was about to beat Jorginho Rosenstrike. Yeah, if like he was soundly beating him mm-hmm. and then got a flash knockout. But that's a five-round fight, and he didn't make it all five rounds. He yeah. got put to sleep. This is a five-round fight, too. Yeah, I'm just saying that Jorginho probably shouldn't have been up against Francis and Ganu last weekend. But G- Going into today when I was doing notes preparing for this, I didn't realize the kind of run Walt Harris is on. I didn't either. He, to me, had seemed like a kind of middle-of-the-road guy, but mm-hmm. with the run that you just described, I mean, he should be – I mean, after this, he's going to be in the short t- – uh, line for a shot potentially yeah, or to fight a real contender he says at number nine right now with Overeem right ahead of him so obviously uh he jumps them rosen strikes at number six he's gonna move down harris might jump him if he gets a win here alexander volkov or Derek lewis would make sense for uh harris's next fight where he to get a win over Overeem. lewis that's the move i always want to see Derek lewis fight so that's fair enough Derek lewis i don't know if he should be in consequential fights though yeah he should <laughs> should he yeah if he's going to be ranked that high, he needs to nut up or shut up. What do you think about the quality of these two cards? Honestly, surprisingly good. All things considered, I mean, I feel like I've said all things considered a million times the last two weeks. But with everything going on, um, and the fact they're putting two cards on in a week, and the super card that we just had, they're putting together pretty decent cards. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know what exactly these cards look like outside of the fights that we picked, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I you mean, said there's some notable names there that uh, we haven't. And I mean, last week... We didn't uh, even pick a couple fights right. on the 249 card, like the Bryce Mitchell fight mm-hmm. or the Luke fight, and those were bangers. Or, I mean, the uh, Mitchell one wasn't a banger, but it was an incredible performance from our guy. So on the Wednesday card, excuse me, it takes me a second, um, Carl Roberson versus Marvin Vittori is a pretty good fight. Yes, it is. You got Andre Arlovsky fighting a guy I've never heard of. You got Michael Johnson fighting a guy you've, I've never heard of. Sajara Eubanks, a former UFC champion, believe it or not, is fighting Sarah Mor- uh I never know how to say her last name. Morass, I thought Eubanks Morass. didn't win the belt. She just fought for one. No, she was the first flyweight champion. She just never fought. <laughs> no, that was... I thought that was someone else. Am I thinking of somebody else? I'm pretty sure. I thought Nico Montano was 125 champion, and she just gave it up. Well, who the fuck is Sajara Eubanks? <laughs> Go to her tabology page, bro. Okay, she's just a fighter, apparently. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, she's not a UFC okay. champion. Eubanks was scheduled to fight Nico Montano on December 1st, 2017 at the tough, the Ultimate Fighter 26 finale for the, for the inaugural UFC Women's Flyweight title. She was pulled from the fight for kidney failure, Jesus, while That's trying horrible. to make weight and was replaced by Roxanne Modafferi. So she was supposed to fight for the flyweight belt. <laughs> she was not the champion. 
And Chase Sherman's on that card. He was good for half a second. Brian Keller. I didn't know he was good. even still in the I UFC. I think he got cut. This might be his first fight back or something. Um, and then on Saturday's card. The Vanilla Gorilla. Matt Brown is on that card. Kevin Holland's on that card. Courtney Casey, Darren Elkins. I love how I know all of these names. If you would have brought up, like, I feel like I'm a fairly in-depth, knowledgeable fan of MMA. Giga Chik Adze. <laughs> He's on the card. He oh, she. yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty decent cards. Yeah, I mean, that's all that you can really ask for. Plus, like we keep saying, the fact that the UFC is sound, seems like is able to do these is going to be massive for the brand. And then the next card, I, I don't know if it has a date, May 23rd, which would be a couple weeks, announced bouts, Tyron Woodley versus Gilbert Burns, uh, Augusto Sakai versus Blagoy Ivanov, Mackenzie Dern versus Hannah Cyphers. Yeah, not Pretty decent. Can't complain. Pretty decent. UFC 250 right now, though. Not good. Yeah, but they only have, like, five confirmed fights. Yeah. Amanda Nunes versus Felicia Spencer. Juicy Formiga versus Alex Perez. And De- then... Devin Clark versus somebody I've never heard of. Mm. A name I can't pronounce versus Ian Heinish. Charles Bird versus Maki Patolo. Sure. I, yeah. Not a great start, but, I mean, they have time. Because also, I mean, it cannot be easy for the UFC to find people yeah. willing, able to get camps in and then willing to go through, I mean, a lot of risk. Because they were just flying commercial flights to these to yeah. Jacksonville. What I want to know is when are we getting the fucking fight island? That's what I'm wondering. Put some fucking fighters on a goddamn island and have them punch each other in the head. That's what I want. On a beach. Palm tree in the background. Violence happening in front of my eyeballs. I feel like the lighting wouldn't be as good. It's probably inside, right? He said he was going to put an octagon on the beach. I think he said that was for training or something. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Would you live on the fight island? Would I live there? Yeah, so you can watch the fights and stuff. How long would I have to live there? Like, how long is the fight island going to be a thing? Like, a month or two? Until the pandemic's over. So, I mean, it's not going to last all that long in terms of... (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't be more than a few months of living there by the time I got there. We'll say until... End of the year? It's May right now. Yeah, we'll say end of the year. Round it out. If I wouldn't be... You can work remotely. Yeah, then I'd do it. Hell yeah. Can't take any family with you, though. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you can hang out with fucking... Francis and Gano. Charles Bird or whoever the fuck's going to be on the fight island. I'm sure Francis and would be there because they probably put like a UFC a makeshift UFC PI and he just, he'd love it. He just goes to PIs. That's all he does. Yes. That'd be fantastic. Did we do it, friend? Uh yeah, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um anything on your mind outside of MMA maybe? No. No? Mm-mm. By you. Mm. You know, I'm just out here living. Mm-hmm. Got some AC installed in my home today. Restaurants opened up back around here today, 50% capacity, right? Yeah, sounds right. They opened up today, right? I think so. Didn't you go to one? <laughs> I went to drive-thru. Oh. Dairy Queen? Yeah. Got some ice cream. Yeah, step up. What's the move for ice cream? It's like a block away from me. Fair enough. Although, that Dairy Queen might be the worst Dairy Queen Dairy in history. Dairy Queen's just not that good in general. Uh, Dairy Queen's fine. Yeah. It's very expensive, too. I don't understand why ice, ice cream is so, so expensive. expensive. It doesn't make any sense. No. Because in the store, it's very cheap. Is it a, like a, a difficult process to make ice cream? No, the, you could do it in a wooden bucket. <laughs> <laughs> I, at a birthday party once in 
elementary school, we all made ice cream, our own ice cream. That's a white-ass birthday party. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it's not that hard if a bunch of third graders can make some ice cream. Huh. Why is ice cream so expensive? I don't know. Is man. it a money laundering scheme, you think? <laughs> <laughs> Dairy Queen just an elaborate launder- money launderer? Yeah. I don't know, man. It's, it's quite the scene because there's like over $10 for two blizzards. And Dairy Queen's just not that good. Like, there's better ice cream out there. There is. A lot better ice cream. There is, without a doubt. I like ice cream, though. I'm a fan of it. I'm not a huge ice cream person. You don't like, or is it you that doesn't like cake? I don't love cake. Cake's so whatever. It is. Whoever thought of the idea of cake for birthdays should probably be, like, executed. Or uh, put in the Hall of Fame of marketing. Yeah. To associate one food with someone's birthday. Birthday food should be steak. That's my steak. that's that's my birthday food because uh every year for my birthday I just pick where we go out to eat mm-hmm. steak. My grandma picks where we go out to eat for my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> what she pick? I think we did Texas Roadhouse this year. Okay, it's not a bad pick. No, it's not a bad pick, but you can't be mad at grandma for that one. <laughs> that's why that she picks for your birthday. She pays so. Mm. <laughs> Even then, though, it's your birthday. That's wild. Hey man, shit happens. It it does. It How does. was your mother's day? Uh, you know, I celebrated with my mother. That's cool. Um, her gift, though, did not come until today. So when I go home, I'll give it to her. It'd be like that sometimes. It does. What'd you give her? What are you giving her? Uh, a gift basket. Text her. What's in the gift basket? I'm not 100% sure. You didn't buy this (laughs) gift basket. No, I bought it, but there's just a lot of stuff. It was like $80. It was a lot. But because it didn't get uh, here on time, I emailed the company. You boys getting a cool twenty five percent off. Hell yeah! You love to see a we discount. Do love to see it. All right, I think we did it though. All right, there's no one listening at this point. If you are, hit us up on social media at Untitled MMA on uh, Instagram and Twitter, Facebook.com/slash Untitled MMA. Check out the podcast on the various platforms that we're on. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube. This one will be on YouTube. Sweet. The backlog. I can't make any promises. This one will be. Don't even worry about the backlog. If we could just keep it uh, current at this point, we're good. But uh, check out, check it out. Leave us a like, share, comment, subscribe. Tell your friends about it because fights are happening and people are interested. I've had people that don't watch fights normally hit me up this week and ask me about the fights. So people are interested in live sports. If they want to learn a little bit more with some goofy guys, let them know that Untitled MMA is the spot. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. We did it. For Bryce, for Brendan from the grave, I'm Buju. This was the Untitled MMA Podcast. And it's a wrap.